All right, it's 12 after 11 o'clock. Let me welcome on to the show Dr. Badi Lehotla, who is, of course, somebody you would know well, former statistician general. But one of the things that Dr. Lehotla has been bringing into the national debate is the question of the viability of ESCOM. Um, as a state-owned enterprise and particularly the cost of electricity in this country that has affected all of us. Uh, Dr. Lehotla is on the line. Good morning, uh, Dr. Lehotla. Good morning, Megafee, and how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for making time to speak to us uh, today. Oh, no, no, thank you very much. I mean, uh, when you call, I jump. That can't be true. It can't be true at all. So, you know, this this concept of administered prices, I must say when I read it, I wasn't very familiar with the concept or even how it how it would work. So speak to us about what administered prices are. What does it mean? Thank you very much. I mean, I try to bring uh, the question of statistics, politics and uh, economics uh, together. <laughs> and uh, each time uh, you you peel one layer, uh, new layers come. I think that prices are largely prices or are exclusively prices that are determined by the political authorities, either through agencies such as NASA or structures that they've ever uh, uh, put in place. But their main aim is to regulate the price so that uh, they don't, because of their effect on on, on, on economics, on markets, the, those effects are so significant that uh, if they are left on their own, their swings and their declines uh, could actually cause economic harm. So that's why they have to be there. But essentially, they are actually, they serve a developmental, a progressively developmental purpose. So they have to be just below inflation most of the time. Uh, and they cannot be allowed to swing in whatever direction they wish and in particular towards the upper side. That's what uh, administered prices mm. uh, do do. So in the Qing dynasty, 2000 before Christ in China, uh, these administered prices had to do a lot with grain. And um, what uh, they termed them was an ever-normal granary. That's what they call it, an ever-normal granary. So there's always grain. It cannot be depleted. Uh, and they managed and regulated the markets uh, that way. So if you take that forward uh, to Van der Bay, the person who established ESCOM in 1922 uh, on the invitation of Smart, uh, President Smart, um, he actually used ESCOM, that is uh, electricity, as an, an ever-normal granary, as an ever-normal thing so that upon which all development will occur. But that had to be normal all the time. Now, uh, what we have seen now in ESCOM, uh, uh, a report, of course, compiled by State SA, because uh, uh, since 2004, I, 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 I published as a statistician general then uh, all administered prices. And uh, the Reserve Bank uh, last year, 2019, went to Parliament uh, to report on administered prices. In particular, they found that water and electricity have been by far uh, higher than any other 
commodity, they were above the 68% growth in, in, in inflation between 2010 and 2019. They were in the 200% kind of growth, which means that when they are that, they are actually stealing growth and stealing development from society. Mm. Now, the question is, they are administered. They are administered by government. How have they looted development from society in the face of government? Are they not just as the same as the book, their links and all that? They are. So it means that when you are a government and you, 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 you are regulatory and not developmental in orientation, you leave things to work as they, they wish. And I think that's the problem we have. So, so ESCOM, yeah. electricity and water, and all these things that have to actually cushion the, the plight of the poor and the, in particular the developmental agenda of the state have been left to gallop whichever way they, they, were, they, they galloped. One of the things was basically to finance ESCOM through a user pay system instead of seeing it as a developmental process uh, that should not depend on user pay because once it depends on user pay, uh, for recovery of capital uh, borrowed, then it will follow the, 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 the free market fundamentalism uh, that we have seen. Mm. You, you uh, know, and that is yeah. a departure from uh, uh, Fandabeo's uh, original uh, scheme. Thank you very much, Kathy. I'll listen now. Just, just listening to, to, to what you've put forward in as far as having an approach switch from one that is not necessarily driven by the operations of these state entities, just from a purely regulatory framework and as um, perhaps, and I'm careful, I don't want to say as profit-pursuing entities, but what when you say that they should be developmental in nature, how different would that then affect how they operate and mostly whether or not they should be working towards making certain kinds or types of profits? Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with profit. I mean, it's a, a return on investment is a natural thing. I go to school, I get return on investment, I become a, probably a better person. Mm. Uh, children grow, grow and become adults. There's return on investment on the food that they eat, they become bigger. I become efficient. So there's nothing wrong in return on investment. What is wrong is free market fundamentalism that pushes profits to levels of even ensuring that you induce scarcity. So where you induce scarcity, because scarcity raises when things are scarce, uh, prices rise. Things that are not scarce, uh, prices uh, drop. Now, uh, what is very interesting with information technology, which is a very interesting subject, uh, information technology is an economic system of abundance. Uh, it is non-rival. Mm. That is when, I, when you are talking to me here, several other people could be using the same line or when you are watching television. Uh, it's not like bread when I have it and eating it, you can't have it. But uh, a television, a program that you are running can be observed by several people. And the more people observe it, the lower the price goes. And this is uh, the economics of abundance and not economics of scarcity. But what happens uh, with our free market fundamentalists, they go to the extent of generating and inducing false scarcities 
in speculation and hoarding. Those are the things that uh, we see, and that's what has happened uh, in general with ESCOM, uh, where bad code was probably provided, things were hoarded, so that they can influence the price. I mean, mm. Inherently, these things are corrupt when you leave them to the markets. They get very corrupt. Not that uh, governments don't get corrupt. We have seen uh, overwhelming corruption in government in South Africa, so I'm not absolving them. But uh, something inherently wrong in political and economic management that leads to these kinds of things. And they are artificial, they are man-made. So are uh, the, 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 the administered prices. For instance, administered prices by municipality imply that the municipalities now have departed from their developmental goal. So has government moved from its development goal by having administered prices that are definitely under control, but they are not suppressing those prices. Mm, mm. Yes. And, and, and when we talk about the list of, of services here, just run me through that list again that would fall under the category of, of administered prices. It will be electricity, uh, transport, uh, uh, rather energy, transport, water, uh, some food items such as a uh, milli meal. Uh, all those uh, will and communications. Uh, when students said fees must fall, it was because uh, not fees must fall. Education, yes, mm. and that's why they said fees must fall. And then communications. The cost of communications was ridiculously high in South Africa. You go to Tanzania, the cost of a a mobile call was a tenth of what it was here in South Africa. And of course, the region, the East African region, the, you, you call from Rwanda, it is the same cost across the East African region. Kenya, Uganda, here yeah, in South Africa, you call Lesotho, uh, there is a cross border. In Swaziland, there is a cross border. So there are ridiculously bad things that are happening uh, that actually raise the price of doing business. Mm. When actually, these things can actually be at the cost of a local call. All right. We're in conversation with Dr. Badi Lohotla, and he's, of course, uh, you know, putting this idea in the public debate, administers prices for uh, some of the services that he has spoken about. And basically, it would be then under the control of state institutions, uh, you know, to determine the prices of some of these goods that he describes as being central to economic output and central in as far as being able to develop the economy. Now, that is, on one hand, Dr. Lohotla, I'm assuming based on a premise of institutions, and, and you mentioned the example of NERSA that, you know, determines prices for ESCOM, that it needs institutions that are running effectively and that are, you know, well organized and act in the interests of, of, of the country in as far as the develop, developmental agenda is concerned. But what happens when those institutions are not um, governed effectively and do not necessarily have the interests of, 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 of the public at heart. Would the same thing not happen and perhaps to a worse extent under those conditions? Well, that's uh, the, the problem. If you are not developmental in orientation but regulatory, you will never achieve developmental objectives. So they are regulatory, not developmental. Of course, they were appointed to be regulatory without a, a serious developmental mandate. Uh, so is the government. The government is really has lost its uh, developmental uh, 
a, 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 a responsibility long time ago. They've abandoned that a very long period of time ago. So everything else becomes flimsy regulatory, and uh, it allows corruption to fester. So our regulatory environment, uh, given the lack of uh, capacity and uh, the the low ethics and the low responsibility taken by government uh, from the top to the bottom, have actually yielded this massive corruption. So uh, regulatory systems without a developmental agenda uh, 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 is a problem. Uh, So they, they, they... they have ceased to be developmental. That's why we don't have electricity today. Mm-hmm. And without electricity, you can't develop. And of course, the government is dodging and diving, going for the IPPs and so on. Um, IPPs are okay, but they are not the fundamental energy providers. Uh, IPPs, uh, private sector in transport is okay. It can be okay. But... It, does, it cannot be that the rail has been destroyed to the extent where it has been destroyed with the government with its eyes open. And then they say it doesn't work, and therefore the private sector should come. Mm. Why should we have government then? When it can't, cannot protect anything, then we should vote the private sector into power. Then we have removed politics from economy. That's what the government is doing, removing politics from the economy. And politics are about how societies, rich and poor, given the unevenness, some people are born with defects, uh, de- uh, deformities, or people living with disabilities. Such people have to be cared by government. And those instances do happen in life. And somebody must adjudicate those misfortunes that, are, that happen. And when societies face calamities, they need a government. Mm-hmm. Now, if we have to surrender that responsibility on the basis of saying that such things are not possible, then what's the use of government? What's the use of humanity? This is a very serious derogation, derogation of duty. Because this, the function of government is on the premise that somewhere people will not always be equal. They come with deformities, they come with these calamities happen, and there has to be an institution that takes care of those situations. And it is for those, on those situations that the government must focus. If it did, we wouldn't have these levels of poverty. Mm, all right. Yeah, yeah. I want to quickly take a call from Muzi in Durban. Uh, Muzi, I know you've been holding for a while. Let me give you a chance to uh, give your question to Dr. Lehotla. Uh, good morning, uh, Katie and uh, Dr. Lehota, and thanks for taking my call. Uh, I was Katie, I was watching television yesterday. Uh, there was uh, a interview between one of the media personality and uh, Professor, I think it's Professor Mahoba, who is a ESCOM chair mm-hmm. uh, board. And towards the end of, of the interview, uh, the question was posed to him if there is any political interference in, in, in ESCOM and in the running of ESCOM. And the question, I mean, the answer was from the chairperson that uh, he said, I have not seen any. 
political interference. Now, when I'm listening to, in, to this interview today, now from the, 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 the doctor there, it sounds like there is a political interference in ESCOM in, uh, to, towards uh, pricing and all those things. So now, from where I'm standing now, I'm getting confused. We, which is which now? Is there any political interference in ESCOM or there is no political uh, interference, which eventually make people like me at the bottom uh, find ourselves paying so much price for, for, for electricity? Mm. Yeah, Muzi. I mean, I, I was actually the one who conducted the interview that, that you're talking about. And I suppose the, the question is really uh, one of what is the environment that ESCOM finds itself in and how is that impacted by the politics of the day, um, whether from a, a direct political interference where, you know, let's say board members or or management is given specific directives from politicians or the policy, the regulatory framework under which yeah. they, they operate um, and whether that in and of itself interferes with the ability of of yeah. the entity to to do its work and and I'm sure uh, professor Lehotla will have a couple of things to say about it I'll I'll, I'll give him a chance to uh, respond to your question at 11:30 uh, right now let me take you over to Liesl Wilson who's standing by on the news desk Good morning Kathy thank you very much just after 11:30 your headlines the Mineral Resource Minister, Gwede Mentashe, says South Africa is taking the lead in the manufacture of hydrogen-powered trucks used for mining. Uh, mining company Anglo-American this weekend showcased its first hydrogen-powered truck. Four employees of Harmony Gold Mining Company Limited have been killed following an incident related to the maintenance of infrastructure at the company's Kusasaletu mine near Coltonville. Head of Communications, Sihe Mage, says the incident happened on Saturday. And the Bumalanga government has yet to confirm reports that one of the suspects in the murder case of 28-year-old Hilary Gardi is its employee. Members of the Economic Freedom Fighters and community members are protesting outside the Nullsprate Magistrates Court, where three suspects expected to appear for the murder of Gardi. I'll have these and other stories at the top of the hour. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, the conversation we're having this hour should the pricing of what is considered ad- essential services be administered by state institutions? Should those prices be under the control of state institutions um, and not necessarily uh, be left to the markets? And what it is that, uh, you know, are the different reasons or um what's the what's the i'm looking for the i can't find the word i'm looking for but you know the various market fluctuations that often have an impact on the prices that we end up paying for services such as electricity transport water health education at least that's the conversation that uh, my guest dr badi lohotla is urging us to have Uh, dr lohotla let me give you a chance to respond to muzi's question uh, well, um, I think you answered the question yourself, uh, Mercafi, by talking about design. Assisting mm. uh, design has actors. The actors there uh, follow what the system says. <laughs> <laughs> so Prof. Mahoba is following the, what the system says. Mm. But inherently, there is interference of a negative nature in ESCOM. 
and how it works. Uh, that is why it is demanding a 20% hike above inflation because of the way it mobilized its funding uh, by going into the market instead of uh, being funded by government, uh, which could set whatever interest rate it wishes, which is what Pandabeiro uh, 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 did when he borrowed $16 million. He borrowed from the state, not from the open market. And uh, you can borrow against the treasury for ESCOM to deal something like ESCOM and uh, charge a nominal interest rate because ESCOM, like uh, in the Qing dynasty in China, 2000 BC, ESCOM re- represents the ever normal granary. That's how the Afrikaners build it, including steel, ESCO. Now, we opened it up to the market, and now it has to raise... Uh, Prices that are above inflation, and then we'll add the corruption to the whole thing and everything. I mean, then ESCOM ceases to be the ever uh, normal grammar. Uh, and it's as though it's not under your control as government. Mm. So, uh, yes, it can, it, can, it can have a board and all that, but uh, it, the ultimate analysis it is the government is responsible for ESCOM. Mm. Yes. Dr. Lohota, is this conversation not happening late in the day? Because for a lot of, you know, the public entities that we are talking about, uh, you talk about ESCOM um, and, you know, I can think of maybe a couple of examples, perhaps in water, uh, possibly even in transport, is that these entities have run up incredible debt bills and, you know, some of them into the multi-billions of rand, if we're talking transport and electricity. And these are monies that effectively will be very difficult to recover. And when you then want to change the system, overall the system, are you not putting them in a position where um, they'll be facing uh, you know, the risk of financial collapse, because this is not necessarily debt that the state itself can take on. No, no, the state can take on that debt. Uh, there are conditions, though. I mean, uh, where we are, we have uh, two trillion of pensions of civil servants, including mine. Uh, we have uh, 17 trillion, I think, uh, on the JIC. Faced with this existential risk, it is possible to finance all this and recapitalize them on a long-term bond that is about 50 years, that uh, the money will be paid to our children's children. That's how developmental states behave. Mm. But under the current environment of corruption, there is little, very little confidence that that money will not be stolen. And, <laughs> and, that's, and that's part of where the concern <laughs> comes from, right? <laughs> that's the problem. But uh, if we are concerned about people who steal, mm. to the extent that we cannot even invest in our future, what use are those people? That's the question we should ask. If we cannot even venture with our own resources to put in the hands of those who have elected into power because we don't trust them, what use are they? That's the discussion that South Africa should have on economic policy. Mm. Yes. That's the economic policy discussion that we should have. Because we cannot go and depend on others' money and invite the IMF so that it can control and manage us. 
because we have defeated we have been defeated in managing ourselves. <laughs> Let me go to Aisha in Uppington. Aisha, good morning. Morning, Kathy. Yes. Uh, if I talk to you, Avery, it's always a pleasure to listen to. I just like to know something by him. My focus is on water, even though the rest of the country seems to be oblivious to the critical need. And I, I listened on, on, on the viewpoint to somebody from the Water Commission, and she said 98% of our water is already allocated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, I'm extremely worried about this hydrogen that is going to use a lot of water. I just like to know that the doctor, if he knows, if for them to produce this hydrogen that they're all excited about, if they can use acid mine drainage water for that and, and, and grey water. Thank you. All right, Aisha, I'll I ask. I will listen on the radio. No, no problem at all. I'll see if that's a question Dr. Lohotla can answer for you. Uh, KGM in Mahikeng, <coughs> good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning to Dr. Lohotla. Uh, Kathy, it's very refreshing to have a, a guest that you are having. Very, very refreshing. Uh, hasten to say this, uh, one, can I make a, a, an, an accusation to us as a nation that says part of the, the reason why we are in this mess is because we have compromised ourselves so much by giving particularly political leadership too much respect unnecessarily. By extension, by also respecting and giving government maybe what is due respect to it, however, by not following up, by making sure that they govern as per the prescripts of the laws and the constitution of the country. My second point is this. Now, it talks to the issue of solutions. You know, we, we, we talk day in, day out, Casey. Some of us, we are called regular callers. It's not because we love hearing ourselves on the radio. It's out of frustration. Uh, are, you, are, you sure, are you sure, KGM? Are you sure it's not because you love hearing yourself on the radio? <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> uh, absolutely, Katie. absolutely. I'm very much sure. That, that's why I can see for a long time without calling you. No, don't <laughs> worry. I'm just teasing you. Continue. <laughs> Yes. My, my part of solutions is this, Katie. Challenge me to this and see if we'll get better results. How about we, do, we give a blackout to uh, politicians and, and your regular, uh, uh, what do you call these people, experts, and, and just have radio for a week. Give it to... An ordinary South African, maybe even the so-called regular callers like KGM must shut up at that time. Talk to the issues and say, what are the solutions? But when we talk on, on radio, on different media platforms, the sad thing is, as we speak, me and you and Kathy and the listeners right now, is he listening? And if he's listening, what is he doing about the comments, the suggestions, the views that we put across here? Because we don't call because we want to give Kathy a headache or Ndadele Hotla, who's a, 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 a guest, a, a headache. We are main, merely venting and, and giving solutions, but 
Nobody is listening to us. That talks to how do we then have an ordinary somebody from PTD Slojang who has a solution that might be a national solution. But because he doesn't have a platform like KGM to call into the radio, how do we then get those type of solutions to come afore and be taken seriously rather than having a situation where only a privileged few because they are connected to Lohota or Mohapi or Kefi, therefore they, they will make sense and they'll be listened to. If if you can talk to those two points, I'll very much appreciate it. Kefi? All right, thanks KGM. For taking my call. No problem. Dr. Lehotla? Uh, well, I think uh, the point you are making is uh, perhaps if somebody else talks, people will listen differently, especially if that person is ordinary. <laughs> If they can't listen, they can't listen, whether the person is ordinary or whatever. I think uh, we have a political leadership that has its elbows in their ears and their thumbs in their retinas. That's the problem. They will not listen to anybody. Um, we have had calamity after calamity, and uh, it has been met with panic and silence thereafter. So we are cooking like frogs. And the problem is that uh, there isn't a long-term policy where you can hold these people to account and say, in terms of this policy, this is what we expected, this is what has to be done, and so on. So you, 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 you don't have an instrument by which, an intelligible instrument by which you can hold them to, resp- to, 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 to account. So in the first instance, the absence of that intelligible uh, instrument means that we are saying government, we can't govern. So what we are seeing is uh, from a, 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 a flaw problem, is, is, a fundamental is the, flaw. Is the NDP not that document? Because government is always pointing to it as being, you know, the shining light. It's, it's the foundation of what we are working towards. It's a matter of day. Uh, <laughs> it's a matter of expecting a matter of day. Uh, remembrance. That, that's what the NDP is. Remember every five years when you go for elections or about something else. Mm. It was never petled down to specific actions. There isn't way in the NDP you say, well, we'll reduce unemployment to, uh, to 12%, uh, we'll grow by 6%. There isn't anything in the NDP that says these are the policies, this is how we quantify them. This is how we'll monitor them, and this is how we'll know that we have reached the destination. In the absence of that, it's just an exhortation document. That's the problem. And this is what we have as South Africa, where everything goes. So that's why we have uh, uh, 10 plans uh, in 28 years, which is two and a half years. Every two and a half years, we have a plan. So, and then we have a slogan. No, 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 you do not know what is a slogan, what is a plan. You can't differentiate across those things. Mm. So that's the problem. It's a fundamental problem that we have to confront. Ultimately, so yeah, ultimately what, what you're putting on the table, Dr. Lehotla, is a response to try and arrest what is an increasing cost of living that has that has become and is becoming even more unaffordable for the majority of South Africans. Outside of administered pricing, what are the alternatives to respond to this problem? 
administrative prices are fundamental. And they are about water, electricity, water and energy, and transport. But uh, you are saying outside those. Well, outside, there isn't, there is a lot outside it. But there is a lot inside it that has now been destroyed deliberately. <laughs> and uh, with our eyes wide open, and nobody correcting the situation. So basically, we are forced to go to ground zero. Wherever, whatever we think, we are forced to go to ground zero. And as we go to ground zero, we have to press that reset button where we actually identify, protect the ever normal ground. That's what we have to do. And when we are there, nobody should lead the country who is not ensuring and guaranteeing an ever normal grammar. And that will not be done and dealt with in the current political system. It can't, because we have seen that it cannot be protected under the current system. Mm. We need to have a different system. So, people, so, cannot be yeah. do- people cannot be donated to us as an electorate. Not so, at all. So I think my question was more around the solution. So in the absence of there being a, a, a system of administered pricing, right, what is what are the other alternatives in arresting the cost of the, the categories of goods and services that, that you've mentioned? So what are the alternatives in arresting the cost of electricity, of transport, of, of water outside of an administered pricing system? Well, I mean, uh, that's an idea, an ideal, uh, an idealistic question. Mm. Uh, in that uh, we don't have those anyway. <laughs> we don't have transport, <laughs> we don't have electricity. So I mean, the prices will have no purpose. Uh, they don't, except that they exacerbate the situation. However, we first need to build the infrastructure and uh, get electricity and build it in a way that is developmental, not a uh, uh, market fundamentalist. Because once you do, do that, you have, uh, you, have, you, have, you have caused a mistake, a fundamental mistake. You need to build these things as inputs into economic development and uh, social development. Then you get those prices at the level where they guarantee an ever-normal grammar. But first, we have to build them, and build them by using our own resources, mm-hmm. that is, uh, our own pensions. But those pensions cannot be released with the crowd that steals. I want to go to a couple of voice notes that have been sent in on this very issue as we get ready to wrap up with Dr. Lehota. Morning, Kathy, to Dr. Lakotla there. All these uh, macroeconomic grand plans, uh, Eskiza, uh, NDP, and uh, all the other plans, uh, this was overseen uh, by uh, the bourgeoisie, people from the uh, capitalist bourgeoisie, uh, well connected to big business. And uh, it has never been beneficial to uh, the man on the street. Uh, the other point is, uh, the SOE ministers uh, making proposals to ban uh, exports of scrap metal. How is the small-time operator going to live? This is their bread and butter. 
to uh, 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 ban all scrap metal, I think, is, is, is a very dangerous uh, proposal. Thanks, Frank Marisberg. I was Kathy and Sadovkins, AD from Obake Foundation in Undersares. Um, please, I just want to ask that day, Lohotla, before um, I put my comment, that whether he has ever been honored by this country, you know, um, this is the man who always bring a lot of information and so on, and he has been so uh, key in terms of ensuring that South Africans are counted and good budgets are put in place with those numbers. I agree with you. <laughs> Should I submit that the world is so evil? Evil thoughts, evil, it's, you know, it's making this world not a, a place to, to, to live in. Um, I mean, you have your managers, directors, whoever, you know, being corrupt. And these guys are getting a lot of salaries. And you ask yourself, while still want to amass so much wealth at the, at the expense of the ordinary people. Thank you very much. All right, Dr. Lehutla, let me give you an opportunity just to wrap up then uh, this conversation very briefly for me. I've got a break coming up in the next minute or so. Yes, well, he asked whether I've ever been honored uh, to have been statistician general for 17 years and have worked in the civil service for 34 years, especially when I live in a foreigner from Lesotho. There's no honor that beats that. I don't expect any more than that. Um, second, uh, yes, I think uh, corruption is a disease, and uh, it's facilitated by a system, and a system of uh, governance and uh, economics or, of rule, not governance, uh, inherently yields corruption. It yields corruption, and I think we need uh, to have a serious reset uh, to deal with that. A scrap metal, yes, I think... Uh, there has to be, people have to, to, to seek to leave. But I think on the scrap metal, um, there is clear and obvious that the, the market for that kind of operation is based on a, a corrupt uh, system of theft and destruction of, uh, of, of rain. But that's not, that's a consequence of neglect. If these things were not neglected, scrap metal could still be exported without actually destruction. So the, the, the indictment on government, on things like infrastructure, and all these things that they want to build now, is very serious. And that there has to be assurance that when those things are built, there'll be no longer this uh, wanton neglect by any government. All right. For now, these ones have been absolutely wantonly neglectful. Dr. Padi Lehotla, let's leave it there for this morning. We're going to take a quick break and then when we continue, we're in conversation with uh, the Department of Human Settlements in KZN.